I'm Jess Connolly, and you are listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. We exist to equip and encourage kingdom women who are using their God-given gifts for the good of others and the glory of God. If you are a mom, a student, an artist, a doctor, we are hoping that this episode will leave you encouraged and ready to run. We're so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, friends. It is Jess here. If you're new to the Go and Tell Girls podcast, we are so grateful you're here. So sometimes we talk about really strategic ways that we can encourage you and help you keep going or even just get started in your calling. But also, we want to help you live out a vibrant and abundant faith in your personal life, too. And so I just want to say a quick PS before we even get into this episode. If you don't know what your calling is, if you don't know what that even means, can I massively encourage you? go listen to last week's episode, episode number 150. It's actually titled, What's My Calling? But for this week, I invited one of my best friends. (laughs) I'm laughing because I invited one of my best friends, one of my mentors, one of my pastors, one of the wisest women I know, Deb Hopper. But I'm laughing because a few weeks ago, I was like, can we be best friends? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. We... I've always kind of shot away from that. We have. You have. Yeah. You're not like the moms should be best friends with their kids thing. But I told you my son, my 15-year-old son came up with a new phrase that I really like. And he said, mom, let's be respecties. I love that. Yes. He said, I know we're not besties, but let's be respecties because like we respect each other and also really mostly I need his respect. Yeah. So I invited mom, Deb Hopper, to be on this episode, not really even as an interview, but mostly just to have a conversation with us because you have decades of following God. I would imagine that you have decades of different points of spiritually dry seasons. And that's what we want to talk about today. What do I do in a spiritually dry season? What is a spiritually dry season? How do I get out of it? And you recently taught an incredible sermon at our church, Bright City, on this topic that was really impactful for lots of different people. And so I just want to say, you can look up that sermon on the Bright City podcast, Bright City Charleston podcast, but you can also hear from mom on past interviews of this Go and Tell Gals podcast, episode number 143, episode number 76, and episode number 12. You've been on all of those. That's exciting. (laughs) And now episode 151. But yeah, let's just dive in. Well, first of all, let me do this because I know a lot about your life, but will you tell everybody about what running on mission in this season of your life looks like? Okay. I went off of full-time staff about four years ago in ministry after a season of leading a women's ministry at a large church for 10 years. And now I like to say that I'm self-employed instead of retired. I really don't like the word retirement. I don't think it's biblical. But by being self-employed, that means like I have to do my schedule. I have to tell. And and mainly I lean on God to tell me like what's on my schedule this week. Where do I serve? Where do I give? Where do I pour into other people? So not really self-employed in that I'm paying myself, but I am determined in my own schedule and I'm blessed to be able to do that in this season of life. I love it. Okay. My team said I should ask you a few fun questions before we really dig into this. Mm -hmm. So here's my first one. And that is, what is the most fun, just pure fun part of your life right now? Wow. I would say 
that is doing something adventurous because yeah. I realized like not too long ago that I had kind of settled into a smooth and easy terrain where I liked doing easy things like easy boat rides. Mm. So I enjoy when I take that up a notch, like we went canoeing in the mountains last week yeah. and it was a real stretch for me yeah. because I get a little freaky with nature and animals, <laughs> I mean, just to be honest. And we encountered some cows in the water, oh, in the river. What? Yes. We turned, what? A, we turned a corner and thought they were bears, but they were two ginormous cows up to their necks in the water. I was ready to get out of the boat. I would have been like, where are we? What is happening? <laughs> but it did kind of like take my sense of adventure up a notch. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that these days because it makes me feel alive. Yeah. Okay. I do want to say this too about your particular season. And we probably mentioned this in episodes past. You say you're self-employed in the season. I would thoroughly agree. But also you feel like you're on the on-ramp to a new season. You are not coasting. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. No, no. And <laughs> so it feels a little like being dead. <laughs> I would say fashion wise, you have upped your game in You're the last kind. two years and you are really hitting a peak. I would say like ministry wise, I feel like I see you running with a lot of clarity and a lot mm -hmm. of energy. I'm just, I'm really encouraged. Okay. So the first thing we need to talk about, if if we're talking about like what is a spiritually dry season, we need to kind of acknowledge that that's some Christianese in and of itself. Right. So how would you even define what a dry season is, like just in human terms? I think to know what a dry season is, then you've got to know the fullness of walking with God, yeah. you know, in a relationship with Him. And we can talk about that later. Yeah. But just to assume that you've felt the presence of God, you have seen Him, you have heard His voice, then a dry season is when you're not hearing any of that. You feel very isolated. You feel like nobody is listening to you. You feel like very alone. And that could be because we are created to be in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And when we're not in that one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him, it feels dry. Yeah. So maybe you've experienced that, but you didn't know the fullness of being in relationship with Him. Or maybe you're like me and you have experienced like hearing His voice, walking with Him, talking with Him, and then all of a sudden it's crickets. Yeah. And that's what I describe as a dry season for me. Yeah. I would also say... I think something I hear people flesh out, I hear some women flesh out is maybe they're doing all the rhythms, but they're not enjoying them. Maybe yeah. they're doing all the spiritual rhythms. Maybe they're serving. Maybe they're like walking in their calling. Maybe they're spending time with God, but they're none of it's enjoyable, right. which, you know, then makes me want to put a whole asterisk there and say, what does that mean? What does enjoyable mean? Right. What's the purpose of it anyways? It's a, so we can get into that. Yeah, that's good. But okay. So first up, have you had dry spiritual seasons? Oh, what have those looked like? A hundred percent. I have them frequently. They're about as common in the rhythms of my weeks and my year as the full seasons are. And I think I've just started to really pay attention to when I feel dry and press in to like shake that up a little bit because I just don't like it. And in the past, I might've thought, oh, I need something else on my calendar or I need a new purpose or I need a new project because I'm very purpose-driven. But realizing and just kind of camping out in that recently to say, oh, why is it I feel dry? Why is it I feel like 
nothing's happening or I need to create something. Oh, it's because I hadn't heard his voice. I hadn't been with God. I hadn't really pressed beneath like the daily devotion to get what he was saying to me. Okay. So even as you say that, I want to just put a like small pause here and say, I think it's helpful to distinguish between spiritually dry seasons and spiritually hungry seasons. And wouldn't it be interesting to like compare and contrast when we mistake one for the other? Mm -hmm. So let me unpack this. Like, for example, I'm, I don't think Nick, my husband will mind me sharing this, but if anybody asks how they can pray for him right now, they say, Hey, how can I pray for you? He'll say, will you pray for my spiritual hunger? Have you heard him share this? I'm trying to think. He said he picked up a book about Billy Graham like a month ago and started reading it and just felt deep conviction and was like, I just am not hungry for God and mission the way I used to be. And I think what happens in like a hungry season is maybe you access some desire to move into more in in an abundance way. I've got more to give or... I want more out of my relationships or I want more from God's word or I want to see more of the spiritual gifts displayed in my life. I want more like I'm hungry for the things of God, but I wouldn't call that dry. I would actually call that like beautiful, (laughs) you know, I mean, not that dry seasons aren't beautiful, but what's interesting is I think if we labeled that as like dry or discontent, we might not experience the fullness of the hunger that leads us to getting more of God. You know, if you were like, oh, just, or like, let's say if you were like, I want more from reading the Bible, but like, I don't seem to be finding it. So I'm, I'm going to stop, you know, like that as an example, or like, I want more from my friend group or my relationships. These people stink. I'm done here. Yeah. And moved on instead right. of like tapping into like, maybe let's pray. Let's start some new conversations. Yeah. Let's call one another up. Let's do a Bible study together. I think that's an example. But for me, I would say like, yeah, maybe one of the best ways I can like define a spiritually dry season for me is I could talk about here are some of the signs that I'm in one. And yeah, I don't know if you good. have those as well, but okay. One huge sign that I'm just in a spiritual desert is I start really struggling with insecurity. And in general, I don't live on a day-to-day basis of like walking into a room and feeling like, am I okay? Am I enough? Do I look all right? But if I start feeling that like that on a consistent basis, to me, that's a good teller that something is amiss, probably spiritually. Or another one for me is that I really start kind of actively doubting God. I feel like you've seen me wrestle with that a lot in the last Mm -hmm. few years. Probably one of the best worst parts about my personality is that I can't hide anything. So I'm not like quietly struggling with doubt. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm actively, everyone in my life knows. One side of the pendulum (laughs) or another. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be another one that shows me, okay, I might be in a dry season. And then lastly, I would say another huge teller for me that I'm in a spiritually dry season is I start getting a little bit salty about other people and their faith and their success and their relationship with God. I get a little doubtful about people. I stop hoping the best. Maybe I am a little bit like always bitter. When I start seeing those signs in my life, that's how I know like something's up. What about you? What are some of those signs? Like, oh, we're, this is not a good spot. Yeah. I think that's a great question, Jess, because 
our personalities are so different. You, our Enneagrams are different. Mm-hmm. Our extrovert, you're an extrovert, I'm an introvert. So when I think about that, for me, I draw inward more when I'm in a dress season. I get really quiet. I don't use my voice. I doubt my voice. I start to listen to Liza, the enemy that says, and part of this is my seasonal life, but I listen to the enemy when he says, you're done. There's nothing mm. else for you. You know, just some of the lies that he will give us as we as we age or, or yeah. get out of different decades of our life. So for me, I just get really, really small. I get really small when yeah. I should be bolder and louder for the things that I know that God has given me. Yeah. You know, I said this to a friend recently. I actually told her that you told me this a while ago and you may still feel this way, but you've told me in the past, if I don't post on Instagram for a few days, if I'm not like on an intentional break, you're like, what's up? Right. Where are you at? Right. Why are you hiding? And my friend was like, that's so interesting. Cause she was like, I would think it's you being thoughtful and withdrawing. And I was like, no, because I think abundance for me looks like using my voice right. and using my words. Yeah. Yeah. percent. Okay. Caroline on our team was looking at the notes for this podcast and she just asked the best question. And she said, so is it ever okay to have a spiritually dry season? And she said, there's some kind of moral connotation of good or bad. I mean, my gut feeling is it's going to happen. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ecclesiastes says to everything, there is a season. There are seasons in life and weather and, you know, our year. And so how are we going to know if we're having a really full season, if we haven't experienced the dry ones? Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing morally wrong or different about that. It's just that recognizing how to shift out of them so that we don't get yeah, stuck. Yeah. And I would say there, I mean, like, again, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm being dubious about people and I should watch it, but I'd be hesitant to, I have, I think I've said this many times on the podcast. I have a hard time trusting people who don't struggle. <laughs> right. I have a hard time sh- trusting people who don't fail yeah. or who don't like own their failure. <laughs> I have a hard time people, trusting people who like don't have a little grit on the ground to say like, I don't know, man, I'm not sure. And so I think there's something a little dubious to me about a Christian who's never experienced a dry season. And not that it's to say there's something wrong with them, but I would just say like, I don't know that I can necessarily follow you and learn from you if you haven't felt what it feels like to not be like just totally on fire for God and then tap back into some level of like help and wellness in your spirituality, you know? Yeah. Another thing to answer Caroline's question, I would use a plant analogy for anybody who likes plants. I don't, Um, but you do. Yeah, I love plants. We were away for 10 days recently, and I had watered all my indoor plants before we left, but when I got back, they were parched. And I noticed, I mean, different signs about it. My husband didn't notice. I said, oh, the plants are really thirsty. They're really dry. And he's like, oh, they look fine to me. But I could tell because I know them and I watch them. In some of them, the dirt around the edge of the pots, they like, it contracts. And so there's a whole gap around the edge of the pot. For Mm. some of them, they had yellow leaves. And for some of them, they just drooped a little bit because they weren't fully alive. Now, some of the plants, like a snake plant, was great because they love a dry, really dry environment, but they still have to have water occasionally. 
So it just made me think about how I get in a dry season. I really kind of do draw inward to conserve yeah. every bit of nutrient because I'm not getting fed, yeah. you know, by the, the things that really keep me alive, the things of God. Okay. Well, you pause right here and talk about the streams of living water and tell the story about the tree in your backyard, because that one point you made about being near to the water, but not being fed by the water is life-changing to me. Yeah. When we were studying this at church a few weeks ago, we were looking at Jeremiah 5, right? Jeremiah 2. I think Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah 2. The cisterns and what God told Jeremiah to tell the people is that they were not drinking the living water. They were they had built these cisterns to store water during dry seasons, but the cisterns were cracked and they weren't even holding good water. And what he said to them is, you've bypassed the pure living water to go for the sludge. And it also says, you know, in Psalm 1-3, that a tree is planted and draws from living water and because they're planted by streams of living water. And so it reminded me, we planted an oak tree in the backyard this summer, and I thought it'll thrive because we are on a pond. It's like 10 feet away from the pond. I don't have to worry about the water. And then we had a a drought for a couple of weeks and I realized it had yellow leaves and it was starting to look really wilted. And I went back to that verse and it said, you've got to be planted by streams of living water, running water. First of all, our tree is by a pond. It's not living water or running water, but it's not really feeding the tree. So in dry seasons, I have to feed the tree. I have Mm -hmm. to water it. Same with my soul. In dry seasons, if I'm not getting the living water on a daily basis, I'm going to dry up. Yeah. When you said that in church, then the reason why I feel like it's even helpful to, to put right here in this part of the podcast, why, when you said it in church, why it was so impactful to me is you said to everyone in the room, like you are near water right now. You're near water. You're coming to church. You're being in this room. You're getting near water. But sometimes being around people who are being fed by living water, if you are not being fed by living water yourself, will actually help you realize just how dry you are. So for anyone who's like, I'm in church, I'm sitting in a pew, I'm sitting in a row, I'm sitting in a chair, I'm going to a group, I still feel dry. I would say like, that's normal if you're being around water, but not (laughs) being fed by it. And so we can talk about that a little bit more about like what heart shifts it looks like to not just be around the water, but to be fed by it. We'll talk about that in a second, but I just wanted you to share that. I'm sorry. I think I went out of order a little bit, but I just love that story. Okay. So before we, we actually do want to give some like helpful tips and like questions to ask. These are some things that have helped us maybe not even like fix a dry season, but like move forward from one. Cause again, we're not qualifying them as bad or good necessarily, but also saying like, we don't want to be dry our whole lives, you know, Right, right. <laughs> but let's ask more, more than like, how can we get out of it? How can we move forward from it? What precedes <laughs> a dry season? What are some, like what comes before the dry season? What often leads to it? And I'm really just going to share my perspective. Obviously we have really, we have different lives, different personalities, and you guys are too, but maybe it'll help to hear some other people. So I'll tell you this. I hear a lot of people, and maybe this is you. I hear a lot of people talk about dry seasons or seasons of doubt or just like struggles with their faith 
really being preceded by a hardship. So someone dies or there is a diagnosis or you go through a hard season financially or one of your kids is struggling. And after that, you find yourself like really wrestling and maybe in a little bit of a desert spiritually. I want to say, I know that that is very real for most people. And I also want to say that is not the case for me. For whatever reason, the way that God made my personality, I do not actually love this about myself at all, but some of the most spiritually rich seasons have been some of the worst days of my life. I think some of that is just like a grace for really hard days. And I think a lot of people would say this about really traumatic days mm-hmm. is maybe even specifically days where you felt really human isolation, you felt the nearness of God. And I think that's been true for me. But on the flip side, what typically precedes a spiritually dry season for me is blessing. So when things are going well, when when maybe I'm not having to struggle or push so hard in my calling, when I'm not like desperately on my knees in prayer, that's when I find myself backing off of some spiritual rhythms and then experiencing doubt and faithlessness and bitterness. And Nick, who is my husband and our pastor, he often says this phrase, Israel didn't do well with blessing. And it's really about people of God in the Old Testament, Israel. And this is really their story over and over and over again, is that they would struggle. They would experience some horrific hardship. They would turn to God. Then they would stop seeking the face of God once things were better. And then the more blessed they became, the less desperate for God they were. And then ultimately, that would lead to a spiritually dry season, which would or like the people of Israel often lead to sin and walking away from God completely. And then they'd experience hardship again. And right. it was like a bad season. And they it was like, as a people, they couldn't handle blessing well. I feel like it's one of the main lessons we can learn from the Old Testament is that there is a way to live in blessing that, that says like, I didn't make this. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I think especially in the podcast, Bible teacher, coaching world, this feels so important that we not say to people like, hey, if you do one plus two plus three, you can have this tidy life like me. Or like, here's the five ways to step into your calling and live awesome. I think it's actually really important that we say like anything we're doing, we're doing by the grace of God. You know, anything we have, we have by the grace of God. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. And we constantly give back to him what is his, including his glory. And we don't steal from his glory by saying like, well, if you want to ask me how I became a famous author and teacher and how I got this podcast, I'll tell you the 10 things I did. I'm not, I'm going to say like, I needed Jesus and somebody hit record. And I started writing and that's what we did, you know? And so I think that actually really matters because I don't want to lead a lot of people into a spiritually dry season by saying like, if you do one, then this will happen. And if you do two, then you'll build this platform. And if you do three, then you'll have a successful ministry and then you won't need God anymore. Right. You know? So I think for me, that's one of the main things that has preceded a spiritually dry season is blessing. There are a few other things. So I'll share those as well. If anybody can relate. (laughs) it's so convicting doing this podcast with you (laughs) good a heavy work season oh right has often preceded a spiritually dry Mm -hmm. season for me in the best ways mom is 
my mom and my mentor and my pastor. And she's often the first person in my life and the loudest person in my life to say like, stop it. Stop working so much. This can't take, be good. Take something off the take calendar. Take something off the – you've got to quit something. This isn't going to work. But I'm so grateful that you have done that. And you know what? I'll give you a tiny asterisk right here. Well, so I, when I wrote this, I said a heavy work season or a season where I chose heavy work because the best part about my life is that I'm in control of how much I work. And the worst part about my life is that I'm in control of how much I work. Oh, right. Nobody tells me how much to work. I tell me, and that's bad news for me most of the time. But I will tell you this. Can I give you this tiny testimony right here? Yeah. I see a spiritual director, and I've talked about this occasionally on the podcast. I see a spiritual director, which for me is a little bit like a combination of a pastor, therapist, and a coach. And I started seeing her in probably one of the most dry seasons of my life. And I met with her last week, and she said, hey, you're the healthiest I've seen you. Like since I started wow, seeing you. So and I was good. like, wow, that means so much to me. And she said, you know what I also notice? You're working the least you've ever worked. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> hurtful. <Right. laughs> but good to know. Okay. Other things that have preceded a spiritually dry season for me, a lack of gratitude and thanking God for what I have. I just think gratitude is one of the most, and you obviously been a big fan of this. You can talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. And then I would also add in emotional, relational strife where, and I did not seek God's help. So if I'm in an argument, if I'm in a conflict, if I am like hurt by someone and I stop talking to God about it, yeah, that often really leads to a spiritually dry season. That's really good. What about you? Well, I think it's important to underscore the first thing you said is that sometimes people have a dry season after hardship, and we don't want to bypass that because we're wired differently. But 100%. And that like God has so much compassion and care and mercy for you and towards you. Right. He is not like, get it back together. What's wrong with you? It's no. like, oh, you're in great grief. Be where you need to be. I'm going to, I'm here with you. Right. Yeah. And I do think grief or hardship does make us question. And it's okay to question God. Somebody asked me that recently. Is it okay to question him about this occurrence in my life? And I was like, he's big enough to handle it. Throw all the questions at him. But I think that questioning over a long period of time can lead to a dry season. And again, just because we're wired differently, I think, you know, some of that comes out of childhood trauma that you become really able to handle hardship quickly and better than seasons of blessing. Yeah. Um, but for those that are struggling with a hardship, I just say, you know, press into God and He is big enough to handle all your grief, all your questions, all your doubts. But I think for me, again, because I'm wired a little differently than you as an introvert, I notice that I become more in my head than listening to what God says. I become listening to what other people say on the internet or entertainment wise. I just have those voices in my head and my own voice in my head more than God. So that's what precedes a dry season for me is when I'm just letting all the other voices become bigger than his. Yeah, that's really, really, really good. That's something I very often struggle with. and I don't think I would have put that on my list and I needed to. I let people get a lot bigger than God sometimes. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how to move forward out of a dry season. We'll be right back. 
in the Go and Tell Tales office right now. We cannot believe it is September. The fall season is upon us. And listen, we just want to stop right now and say, if you already feel tired, if you feel not ready for this season, if you're looking at your calendar and wondering how in the world you're going to pull all of the plans off, we just want to say that's okay and we understand and we want to help. We do not want to agree with the fact that fall has to be a frenzy. We really think that we can find freedom in this season. And with our new Fall Into Freedom guide, it's $15, 32 pages, and takes about an hour of time to help you map out what freedom could feel like this fall for you. Because freedom isn't just for summer. We can also find it in every single season because Jesus purchased it for us on the cross. So the next four months of your life are worth a few hours of reflection, intention and strategic planning. If you're not sure where to start, we're ready to help and the Fall Into Freedom Guide might be just the perfect thing for you to experience abundance and freedom and just clarity about the season ahead. You can get it at the link in our show notes or at goandtellgals.com. Happy fall. Let's be free. let's get into it. Now let's do the work. Let's say you're like, oh, I'm in a dry season. (laughs) That's me. I'm here. I made it. And I want to just give you a tiny asterisk. If you're like, I'm not in a dry season, but I know someone who's in one. We're going to talk about that in a second too. But let's say you're in one. Mom, what do we do? How do we get out? Take it away. Lead us. Well, I think the first thing, you know, is just confessing whether you journal or whether you talk out loud to him, whatever you do, just confess. And like, and if there's any repentance that you need to do, but mainly just pour out your heart and say, this is where I'm at God. And then sometimes it helps, like you said, to start a gratitude list. I mean, that helps me switch the focus, the voices in my head that are telling me, you know, what I'm not doing or what I'm not about. If I do any kind of gratitude list, two things a day, you know, then it shifts my mind from what's not happening to what God has already done. Like what is already fruitful, you know? I want to pause here about the gratitude list because I find that people fall in two categories. I think people either roll their eyes at this and they're like, oh, whatever. Or I think people nod and they don't do it. I honestly do. I think most people fall in one of two categories. So can I just give like a two-minute sermon about gratitude lists? You can read 1,000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. She's the one to read for sure. But I literally make myself write at least five things every morning. Sometimes it's coffee. I'd say four out of seven mornings coffee is one of my (laughs) five things because I'm having my coffee and I'm thinking like, gosh, I can't believe you made this for us. God, thank you. But gratitude is spiritual warfare. Gratitude is not cute. It is not polite. It is spiritual warfare. It is Psalm 16, 6 declaring the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Gratitude is just the most spiritually deep thing you can do to say, Mm -hmm. God gave me this and I'm going to say thank you for it. And when you practice daily gratitude, it's not like, oh, you'll like your life more. It's like, you will say, I am the most blessed of women. 
how could I have had these things? And you move into your day with a different level of authority. So I'm saying, don't do it one day. Don't do it two days. Do it every single day of your life. Make your gratitude list rant over. Yeah, that was good. And then I think, you know, shifting into like what helped me out of a dry season when I had one this past summer and I was really trying to shift everything so that I could get out of it. One of the things I did was, you know, God told me to go back to what worked the last time. You know, when did he speak to me the last time? When did I feel close to him? When did I think more about God than my own thoughts? When did I feel fully alive? And the last mm-hmm. time that happened, I was doing um, like a reading of the Psalms every day. Yeah, uh, I had read a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and called Meditation on the Psalms. And I was committed to doing like two verses a day. And I'd started with Psalm 1 and I had worked up to Psalm 11. And then what happened? I stopped. Yeah. Our life got busy. Yeah, We went on vacation. But the Psalms were really feeding my soul. They were giving me that living water, just two verses a day. And it was how I was starting every day. So I was like, okay, I'll go back to that. It worked. It worked. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to what worked. Think about what worked for you. Maybe it was a, a time away where you were in a different environment. Maybe you were you know, out walking at sunset or sunrise and you saw God in creation. You know, Maybe it was a Bible study that you did. Whatever worked the last time, then try it again because yeah. God is consistent, right? Yep. That's yeah. one of his qualities. He's very consistent. Yeah. And I love when you say this, like God is consistent, so we seek him consistently. Right. Absolutely. So good. What else? Yeah. Well, the second one was that, you know, sometimes I play Russian roulette in the Bible. I'll pick a verse and then I'll go to another chapter or I'll be in Isaiah for a while or I'll jump over to the Gospels. And that's okay for a while, but I think sometimes we need to do a deep dive into one passage, one chapter. And I always, of course, do that better when I'm in a Bible study or or working through a Bible study, but I can do it on my own too. So like when I went back to the Psalms, I stayed in one Psalm. I'm only up to Psalm 16 right now. So it's taken me a while to do like a verse or two per day, but, and I skip a couple of days, but then when I get back into my morning time, I'm like, I'm going back to that same Psalm. I'm not going to move out of this one until I've gotten everything that God has for me. Yeah. And the reason we do that is because, you know, God is strategic. Mm -hmm. You know, his Bible is written from Genesis to Revelation with threads all the way through. So he didn't, you know, inspire the people who wrote the Bible to write it in spits and spats. He wrote it with a constant theme of covenant from beginning to end. Mm. And I think we don't read a chapter or if we don't read a book from beginning to end, we miss those threads and we miss Mm. the beauty of what he's given us. I love it. So good. And then the last thing, you know, that worked for me is to try a new or different source in the Bible. Try, you know, if you always read one translation, shake it up and read another one. Like my favorite thing to do with a verse from the Psalms is hit the compare button, you know, on the Bible app and see it in eight different translations and then see what those words mean in different ways. And nine times out of 10, God will reveal something to me in a different translation. Or I pick up my study Bible and I go to the notes of that one verse I did that this week, and one verse was opened up to me in a whole new way just by reading what the study notes said. Mm. So 
God, we do that because God's creative, right? He's the God of creation. So we try new and different ways. If you always listen to one sermon or one podcast, listen to somebody else. Change it up. Yep. Do a search in the search bar of podcasts and search for a topic or a word. And I do that a lot of times on podcasts while I'm walking. I'm going to shake it up today and listen to something completely off the charts of what I normally do. Can I give you this like tip of how I try to like combine those two things consistent, seeking God consistently and, and creatively is I started a new thing for my weekly goals of, I just want to listen to one sermon a week. And so I'm making it just a goal. Like I'm going to listen to one other sermon besides the one preached at my church every week, but I let it be whatever one I search up on podcasts. (laughs) And so I might like put in a verse or because you taught me how to do that. And so that's been so helpful of like, this is something I'm going to do consistently, but I'm going to do it creatively too. Right. I love that. That's so helpful. I wanted to share this with you because obviously you and I have been talking about this a lot. You taught on it at Bright City and it sparked a lot of conversations in our community here, but also in the Go and Tell Girls office. And a few weeks before you preached on this, I told you I had a conversation with a friend who came to me and said, I'm doing all the things. I'm reading my Bible. I'm in a group. None of it's hitting, like none of it's working. And she said, you know, she actually came to Nick and I at the same time. And it was interesting to hear our different answers. And I think that's so beautiful, but I kind of listened to her talk and I listened to Nick give her some wisdom. And I said, I am curious about your who. I'm curious about your, like who you feel called to serve. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just like the volunteer positions you're doing at church or like the group you're in, like who makes your heart beat faster. And you know what, go and tell gals, we have six coaching steps that we continually are walking women through. And then the second one, and what we say is often the most important is who is knowing who you're called to. And when I look at your life right now, mom, and I would say like, to me, you seem so far from spiritually dry. You seem on this like beautiful on-ramp to a new, a new season of ministering out of just a lot of strength and, and peace and confidence. But you are very clear about your who right now in the form of single moms. Yeah. And you're going for it. (laughs) You're saying like, this is it. Yeah. You know? And so I would ask you like, Do you know who specifically you are called to serve? Because that will absolutely help you fight any spiritual dryness that you might be having, to get obsessed with them, to hear about their burdens, to let your heart break for them. But we weren't meant to be consumers only. And so you weren't meant to be a consumer of your faith. And if you're feeling dry, that could be why. It could be why. So I would just encourage you with that. All right. Lastly, we want to really talk about how do we come alongside a friend or a spouse or a loved one or a roommate or a teammate who seems to be in a spiritually dry season or is confessing? Like, I'm in it. I'm struggling. Okay. My number one tip is don't shame them. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think this is how a lot of spiritual harm gets done. Mm -hmm. But when someone tells you, this is how I'm struggling or I'm struggling with doubt or I'm struggling with faithlessness or like I'm like wrestling through these things. Number one, if you haven't already been there, you are going to be there one day. And the last thing you're going to want is someone to tell you that you made a mistake, that you did something wrong to get there. I think we see so many times throughout scripture that there will be no sin sometimes. There will often be sin preceding a spiritually dry season. So that person may not have done anything wrong at all. And so I think it can be really important to not shame them, but be curious and compassionate towards them as they talk. 
you know? Yeah, that's good. Remind them of Ecclesiastes and that there are seasons and everything. You just don't want to stay stuck in a season. So encourage them with, you know, that God is going to use the dry season, but it's time and they'll know when it's time to move out of it. Yeah. I would Um, say... And maybe even if you're like looking for the exact words of how do I come alongside a friend who is, is struggling in this way, I would say, number one, you know, say, tell me more. Mm-hmm. And then I think another great thing you can say is how can I help? Right. What can I do? I'm yeah. so, thank you for telling me. First of all, thank you for being so generous to tell me that. How can I help? And one way we know we can help them, whether they ask for it or not, is to pray with them and for them. Now, if a friend doesn't Mm -hmm. want to be prayed for in person, don't do it because that's spiritual abuse. Right. (laughs) That's pushing something on them they don't want. But do go before them in the throne room of grace and talk to God about them. And this is twofold because, number one, you're going to be taking their name to the kingdom, but also your heart's going to shift towards them when you pray for them and you're going to feel compassion for them and you're going to feel urgings for them. So do absolutely pray for them. Here's another idea I have, and I want to hear what this would look like for you in your life, mom. But I would encourage you to invite them into healthy rhythms. Don't stop inviting them into healthy rhythms. So I would say like, do say, hey, would you like to try this new group with me? Hey, would you like to read through Ecclesiastes together? Right. Can I read through it with you? Do say, hey, can we try this new service that's happening midweek at this church, like just to go somewhere fresh? Hey, could we listen to this podcast together? Hey, could we go on a silent retreat together? I mean, we have gals at Bright City here who've gone on a silent retreat together. Can we just go and and be at a monastery? They literally did that. And you did it too. Can we go be at this monastery together and just be silent together and hear from God? Can we go walk on the beach and pray together? Do keep inviting them into spiritual rhythms because what we don't want to do is show people with our attitude like, oh, that's not who you are anymore. You're not a spiritually deep person. Right. What are some rhythms that in your current context that you're like, oh, I would like if someone invited me into this or I could invite them into it? Well, I think about when I spoke about this at, at Bright City a few weeks ago, one of the girls here told me afterwards that she remembered a time that God spoke to her was in a certain Bible study. And she said, I'm going to text my mom and my sister tonight and ask them to do this study with me again. Mm. And I remembered when you and Katie and I did that when you were in Seattle. It changed my life. Yeah. We did a Bible study long distance, but once a week we would check in with Mm -hmm. one another. Yeah, And so you can do that for somebody. You can say, hey, I've got this study that's really good. We can meet together or we can do it virtually. But let's do this. Let's make a commitment to do this for eight weeks, six, eight weeks. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. I would say do tell your friend what God is teaching you. Yeah. Don't act like all of a sudden they can't handle it or don't want to hear it. Do tell them. I mean, you could always ask, can I share this with you? This thing God is showing me or teaching me or this thing I'm learning. But don't act like they can't handle that or that they don't want that because they probably, if they love you and they love God, they're going to want to see fruit in your life, you know? And one of the ways I would demonstrate that is because it's not going to hit on everybody because everybody hears from God or has intimacy with God in different ways. But I journal. And because I journal, I really do cry out to God on the most personal levels and the most private things. But recently, by journaling, I was able to hear from God and then go back to something I had journaled to Him at the beginning of June. And I circled that in my journal. It's like, God, you just answered that prayer. And Mm. I don't have to tell you specifically what it is, but there's a value to me in like journaling 
the cries of our heart. Yep. You know, I just read that in Psalm 16 today and it said, you know, you hear the cries of my heart, God. You hear yeah. the lonely cries, the desperate cries. And if we don't write it down for me, because I'm so visual, so journaling, I would suggest to anybody is a good way and a way that God's spoken to me. It may not work for everybody, but it might. That's huge. I love that so much. Okay. Lastly, I would say send them this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> say, sure. hey, you said you were struggling. Like, here are some women who get it and who want to be on your team. So here's what we're going to do for you guys for this week. We're actually going to create an audio download of just some verses and some prayers of God telling you what he thinks about you. Because mm -hmm. I think that one thing that is really hard when you are in any kind of a spot where you feel spiritually dry or you feel like you're struggling with doubt is that you begin to think like, this is my fault. This is my problem. I'm the problem child in the kingdom. And we want to remind you that God is not hiding from you. He is not playing favorites. Right. He is not tapping his toe annoyed at you. He loves you. He loves spending time with you. His mercy is coming toward you. He is compassionate toward you. And so I'm going to create just a quick little audio message for you to play, for you to listen to that's filled with scripture and truth mm, about I you. And you can download that at goandtellgals.com and click on the podcast. And when you go to um, this episode, you'll see exactly where to download that. And, and we pray that it's just a blessing for you or for anyone that you know that is struggling. Mom, thanks so much for joining us hey, today. It's my joy. Before, I'm going to ask you to pray to send us out. But before that, I want to remind you that right now we are doing a very fun giveaway. And that is where if you leave a review on the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Spotify or Apple Music, wherever, if you leave a review, we're picking one person a month to get a free one hour coaching call. And I would love to talk to you to hear about what God's doing in your life, about how we can help you move forward and whatever he's called you to. So go ahead and leave a review so that we know you are listening and we're going to pick one gal a month to win. Mom, will you pray just to send us yes. off well? Father God, I just thank you for each person who's listening right now, whether they're doing laundry or dishes or walking or exercising or working, whatever they're doing while they're listening to this, I pray that you would meet their need, that you would hear their cries. As you've told us, God, you hear our cries. So I just pray that whatever season they're in, if it's dry or if it's full, that they'll recognize the season. And if they know someone who's in a dry season who is crying out, that they'll now have some tools to hand them, a podcast to hand them, but also just a way to pray for them. So God, thank you that you have declared the season's of our earth and the seasons of our life. And we rest in those. We don't strive in those. We just want to move from one season to the next. Thank you, God. We love you. Amen and amen. We love you, gals. God is mighty in you. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast episode. We would be so blessed if you would take a minute to leave a review wherever you've listened to this podcast. You're also welcome and encouraged to share this on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you use social media. We'd also love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or send us a message on Facebook. Shoot us an email. We love to connect with you to hear how we can encourage you and further equip you. God is mighty in you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going.